This episode is sponsored by the Syracuse University School of Education. A pioneer in inclusive education, Syracuse offers scholarships for graduate programs in teacher preparation, counseling, higher education, educational leadership, instructional design, and more. Syracuse's equity-driven community leads in inclusive and anti-racist research and practice, as well as experimental learning and the integration of digital technologies. Advance the future of learning and your career. Visit soe.syr.edu slash pulse to learn more. That's soe.syr.edu slash pulse. You're now locked in to HBCU Pulse. We're the number one outlet for HBCU life, talking about everything that's important to our culture, from on-campus issues to politics and what's trending on the yard. We always keep that same energy. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and the host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today. We are talking about week six. We're talking about week seven. We're talking about HBCU football. It is the fall. It's sort of cold outside. It's my type of weather in the building. So, listen, I'm super excited to get into this weekend of HBCU football. Aria, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I would love to say that you had the better schedule this weekend. So many blows, so many upsets that I was not expecting. But I'm very, very proud of my game in a week that I picked. It was a really, 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 really close. I would have loved to see them topple over, but maybe Northwestern has a little bit more to prove. Let's talk about your game of the week, Howard versus Northwestern. Northwestern won, but Howard fought back. It was 23-20. to 20. So, Ario, tell us about the game. You know what? Surprisingly, Howard could not hold a candle to Northwestern over this past weekend, shutting them out until the second half. So, Howard's not putting points on the board at all until we get into the third and fourth quarter. And that's when we start coming back. But one of their problems, the red zone error. They got stopped for two close touchdowns in the red zone towards the end of the fourth quarter, and that's how they end up losing to Northwestern. But besides that, Quentin Williams, who I'm usually on, who's somewhat of an inconsistent quarterback. Sometimes he has his great weeks. Sometimes he has his bad weeks. Didn't do too bad. 18 out of 30 for passing yards. 169 yards. Not too bad. No interceptions because we know he is prone to having one each single game. So I think that was really good. And mostly, and what we were talking about last week, the running game came into play. Most of their touchdowns, probably all of them, came off of three rushing touchdowns. None for Quentin Williams, who is known for always running it in sometimes. But I think that's kind of smart him to stay in the pocket, visualize, and try to get the beat or Northwestern. Northwestern, honestly, in this first half, was not really one of the best teams that I had saw. They were still feeling like, hey, Howard is an HBCU. We had this conversation before. When we play these type of HBCUs and when we look at them, we're not expecting to really bring any kind of pressure. But coming back into the second half and having those missed fumbles, being forced off the field in the fourth and punts, not being able to convert in the second half of this game, really brought Northwestern to those really, really close scores. Overall, it was a really, really good game. I love that Howard fought back. I can't wait to see what they do. I know the MIAC is going to be in tight conference play these next couple of games, actually the week after next. We're going to see a lot of who's going to end up on top, who's going to end the bottom. We're all hoping that Central goes into the Celebration Bowl, but Howard and South Carolina State can make a really, really slick appearance just to what's happening at Morgan State. I'm so glad that everybody is safe there after what was going on this past week, but it's now because a little closer race just between Howard and Central who's going to be at the top don't let this loss fool you that Howard cannot come tie for number one again or actually beat Central let's talk about
about FAMU versus Southern. That was my game of the week. So my game of the week wasn't as bad as previous weeks. This wasn't a blowout. This wasn't anything too crazy. FAMU won 26 to 19. And there were some questions that were answered on Saturday. So the first question is, has Jeremy Musa's production going down and should he be benched? No, it hasn't. And no, he should not. Because after all these calls to bench Musa, he played ball. He showcased his arm talent. He threw the ball 53 times. This isn't through a span of two games, Ario. He threw the ball 53 times, completed 31 passes, and he finished the game with two touchdowns. He racked up 325 yards and threw two touchdowns to receivers Kobe Gross and Jamari Gassett. So I'm just saying, he really showed y'all, oh, y'all want me to be benched? Bet y'all sit down and watch me work. You know, so he really went in on the evening. Here's the thing. Harold Blood didn't really do all that great, and that really leads to the second question. Could Southern's defense get some type of help from the offense? Because the passing defense for Southern. Yeah, Jeremy Musa threw for over 300 yards, but the defense has been what is the star for Southern University, and they did not really get that much help. Harold Blood threw the ball 12 times. You see Jeremy Musa, he threw the ball 53 times. He threw the ball 12 times, had eight completions, only 190 yards, and he finished the game with only one touchdown. Now, you look at that score, 26 to 19. If there was a better passing attack and they were airing the ball down the field, they probably could have won that game because FAMU could have been beaten in that game. I'm not going to lie. Like, FAMU looked good. The defense looked amazing, especially on that final drive. But Southern could have won that game. They could have broken the game open had they aired the ball out more but they were running the ball the running attack was real good the defense was nice there's a good team in there somewhere for southern but they have to figure out the offense but Ariel, it's a third question that is on everybody's mind as we're all talking about the game breaking down the game breaking down what happened is what was eric dooley thinking head coach eric dooley of the southern university jaguars he went to two straight swag championships against Deion sanders with prairie view in 2021 and then with southern 2022 he lost both of them but it's neither here nor there he made it okay so listen he's been coaching for a minute and he knows more football than me at least i think he does i, I, I might be a little i might be getting better all right i might be ready to coach, coach the southern jaguars and coach to some wins at this point but listen the defense kept them in the game that rushing attack kept them in the game but here's the thing Musa threw his second and final touchdown that put FAMU up 26 to 19 in the fourth quarter with two minutes and 37 seconds left. Southern gets the ball back on their own 28-yard line. So you would think, Ario, right? Because you watch football, you would think we're going to pass the ball. Two-minute drill, like let's do the Tom Brady against the Rams thing last year. We threw that ball, got it down the field real quick and a touchdown real quick to win the game. And then listen, FAMU, the ball's in y'all court. Now y'all got to do the same thing that we did. Let's pull on an offense for show. Coach Dooley is an offensive mastermind. But Ariel, instead of trying to pass the ball down the field and rack up yardage, he decided to run the ball for two possessions. So they started off the drive with a rush by Kendrick Rhymes that had no gain. And we all were like, oh, you're running the ball? Why? Like, what's going on? So then the next play, Harold Blood throws a 13-yard completion to August Pete the third. So it worked out. 13 yards. Okay, cool. Yeah, keep doing that. Keep doing that. Put some pressure on FAMU's secondary to stop you. And then they had a false start penalty. Happens. It's fine. It happens. So then Blood 
blood completed another pass, 15 yards. So I'm like, okay, fam, you all right now. What you gonna do? Because listen, you gotta get ready for that celebration bowl now. We, we pick you to go to the celebration bowl against North Carolina Central or Howard or Morgan State or South Carolina State at this point. So listen, we, we wanna see what's going on. But then they run the ball again to Rhymes. Rhymes ran the ball, only got three yards. There was no reason to run the ball at all. So then, Ario, Harold Blood gets sacked. He gets sacked. He gets pushed back. And they finally decide, you know what? Let's throw the ball again. It goes nowhere. Fam, you wins the game. You could literally hear on the ESPN broadcast, which sometimes you don't hear it. You could hear the fans booing. They were like, what? is he thinking you honestly can hear him booing and even jay walker was like nothing in the game says run the ball in this scenario even jay walker said it on espnu so here's the thing so i'm wondering we all are wondering why did coach eric dooley decide to run the ball in those situations when you got to get all the way down the field and score a field goal or a touchdown to win the game well ariel we have some sound this is real sound this is not like no joking like that we have sound of why he did it this is him explaining it, and the clip is courtesy of Pat Timlin of NBC 33 and Fox 44. Well, you always got to look at what the defense is trying to take away from you. They're going to drop eight wide through it and create a, a fast turnover, and now you have no opportunity. So we got to make them play honest, and uh, we saw some things that, that they were doing that should have given us a big play, even though we were running it, that would have been just as good as a, a pass play. Listen, Coach Dooley, with all due respect, I'm going to be honest with you and say that was not good play calling, okay? Like I said, you know more football than me, all right? I, I, just, I just win championships in dynasty mode in old college football games. You know way more football than me, but that was not a good play. You should not have run the ball in that situation, and the Southern fans think so. I think even the FAMU fans think so. Like, why would you rush the ball in that situation? But overall, Ario, I don't know where Southern goes from here. Of course, for FAMU and Southern, this game didn't count against the divisional record. Southern actually still has a chance to make the SWAC championship, and like we said, it might go all the way back down to that Bayou Classic to see who makes it out of the SWAC West to probably play FAMU. But I just don't know where they go from here because the offense is a problem. The defense is doing what it needs to do. I believe that Harold Blood is a capable quarterback. I don't think it's him. I think it's the play calling. And if they don't figure it out, you have a lot of teams in the SWAC West, especially Grambling, their rival, that's ready to take the crown and they're ready to have to have an opportunity to go to the Celebration Bowl and win a SWAC championship. You know, since we want to be honest, since Coach Dooley wants to be honest, you know, sometimes the fans and what we see and what we see as analysts are not always the same thing of what's what it's like being on the field and being surrounded by professionals but in this case you know the customer may be right the fans and us may be right it's a quick easy two-minute drill first first down every single pass out of bounds if possible because i don't know if they had any timeouts left it doesn't seem like it seems like we're just running out the two-minute clock so every time i'm throwing a pass i'm going out of bounds and i'm giving my team at least time to try to get it into field goal range and if not try to sneak all the way in there and get a touchdown obviously they needed a touchdown but in this case it just besides a false start maybe having too many men on the field ineligible players in illegal formation there should be no reason why like you said, anybody should be running this ball. This is a game that we want to win. This game says a lot between them, even though this doesn't count against them. It does show them what kind of coaches, what kind of team that we're playing against. 
like there's a difference between your players making your team look bad and losing the game than if your coach making a wrong call and losing the game. And I think he'll go back through this week and maybe he'll realize it. Maybe he might stand by his decision and that's fine. You're the coach. If you want to stand by what you said, cool. But if you stand by what you say, you got to win this next game on the play calls that you do. Because right now this doesn't look good for the school and it doesn't look good for your chances going into conference playing. And I think this has to be said as well is that their last three games of the season, they play all of the contenders. They play Alcorn, they play Prairie View, and they play Grambling in the Bayou Classic. I think they're likely to go 0-3. I just think they're going to lose all those games. I think they might play Grambling tough because that's the rival, but I think they lose all three of those games, and it's going to be between Grambling, Prairie View, and Alcorn on who's going to make it out the Swag West. I think that Grambling, even though they lost last weekend, I still think that they have the upper hand because they have the more explosive offense. And I'm going to bet on a more explosive offense where you're airing that ball out against teams that are really mainly running the ball. So I just think that they're not going to get over the hump. I mean, they have a chance. They can prove me wrong, and I'll gladly be wrong. I'll accept it because I want to see Southern be great. I want to see them get back to where they were in the golden years. But at the same time, something needs to change. And I think that the offensive philosophy needs to change. And I think for a lot of fans, it's either Coach Dooley changes his offensive philosophy or they'll bring in someone that will. And that's just facts. Let's talk about the headlines of the week. So, Aria, listen, you know I'm a Fort Valley State University graduate, Division II graduate, SIAC. We are out here. These folks going to stop playing with us because we have a lot of great games in the SIAC. And Benedict College, who I said has an historic defense, I think that they might have the best defense in HBCU football. They had their first test of the year against Miles College on HBCU Go. I got Direct TV stream to watch the game on the Griot cable. I might keep Direct TV. I like Direct TV. I always like Direct TV. So, like I said a couple weeks ago, Benedict is killing it. They're doing an amazing job. They have arguably the best defense in, in HBCU football and probably like the best defense in the nation amongst Division II teams. But Miles College really tested them because Miles College has a stout offensive and defensive line. But at first, Ario, it didn't seem as if Benedict was going to have any problem with Miles College. It was a lot of fumbles here and there, like both teams were really being loose with the ball. But Benedict entered halftime up 21-3, to and it seemed as if they were going to have a dominant and they were going to have a dominant and just competitive performance in that second half. And then it was going to be, hey, all right, Miles College, see y'all later. Next up, we're going back home and we're playing Fort Valley on ESPN2. But Miles College says not so fast. Don't worry about ESPN2. Worry about us on HBCU Go and the Griot because Miles College forced an interception from quarterback Aeneas Dennis, and they turned the turnover into a 42-yard touchdown, and they trimmed Benedict's lead to 21-9 after the PAT with six minutes and 25 seconds remaining in the third quarter. So I'm like, okay, so Miles College is fighting back, but I don't think that they really going to win this game. I don't think they have a chance. So then here's the thing, Ario. Miles grabbed another interception from Dennis. And then they had an 86-yard touchdown drive that cut Bendix's lead even more, 21-16. So now I'm like, okay, let me get back to watching this game because I'm watching the other games. I'm watching FBS games. I'm trying to catch up on other HBCU games that are going on. I'm watching a and I'm watching North Carolina Central. I'm trying to see what's going on because I'm like, this game is over. Come on. But Miles College was like, no, keep it on the grill. Keep it on HBCU go. But here's the thing. I expected Benedict to tighten up. 
I really did. I was like, come on, Benedict. Like, y'all got this. The defense is going to lock up. Dennis is going to get right, and they're going to make it happen. But Mal stopped them. They went for it on fourth down. They stopped them, got the ball back, and they scored a 22-yard rushing touchdown to take the lead after the two-point conversion, extending the lead to 24-21. I was like, oh, my God. Is Benedict about to lose their first game before they play Fort Valley? Oh, my gosh. Is there going to be some weakness that we see from Benedict? Nah, it wasn't no weakness because they made it happen. They still, they won 27-24, okay? They got the touchdown back, and the defense locked up. They orchestrated a miraculous touchdown drive that put them back up for the rest of the game after a short run by North Zero Scotland. And Miles, this is the theme of the weekend, Ario. Miles had an opportunity. They got the ball back. And they could have scored a touchdown to take the win or to tie the game and send it into overtime. But Benedict's defense, they stepped up and they stifled Miles College. They were able to get the win. Now Benedict is going to play Fort Valley on ESPN2. As people are listening to this, listen to us on a Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, the game already happened. So hopefully we're talking about a Fort Valley win next week. But I'm not worried. I'm I'm not worried, okay? I, I, I'm a little bit, you know, I am I'm, I, I want to see what happens. I don't think it's going to be an automatic win. I'm realistic. But I think Fort Valley might win this game because we see some weakness right now. Well, I, I don't think you really have anything to be nervous about. Just looking at Fort Valley and what they've done this season, already being 5-1 and one overall, you're only lost to Tuskegee. But every single game after that has mostly been a blowout with an outlier of one game. But for the rest of that, Fort Valley has been looking formidable, and I don't really see – I see a huge test, and I probably see a potential, you know, rivalry building or already rivalry that's really heating up at this point. But what do you think are some of the things that Fort Valley has to watch against after – I mean, even after this game, with Benedict having a come-behind win for Miles? So I think that what could cause Fort Valley to lose is the fact that Benedict has a very heavy pass rush. And we know that after Emmanuel Wilson left, he's now with the Green Bay Packers in the NFL, they were running the ball a lot last year. And what Benedict was able to do at our homecoming last year when they beat us, they were able to stop the run. They were able to contain Emmanuel Wilson. With all the talent he has, they were able to contain him. This year, we're a more pass-heavy team. Like we're, bal- we're still balanced. We still run the ball. But Kelvin Durham is the feature of the offense. So he's passing the ball. He, he's stepping back. He's making plays with his legs. He's getting out the pocket. And he's making plays happen. He most likely won't be able to do that against Benedict because they're going to be blitzing. They have a formidable defensive line that is only rivaled to me by Fort Valley's defensive line because our defensive line is tough too. So Kelvin Durham is going to have to get the ball out quick in the game they're gonna have to really rely on their run offense and really try their best it might not be Emmanuel Wilson back there but you have Brandon Marshall you have a lot of other capable running backs that can establish the run so give Kelvin Durham the opportunity to throw the ball down the field and I think that and this is what a lot of people in the SIC media space have been saying is that Fort Valley cannot go down a score or two scores against Benedict because that defense is not going to let you come back. You give that defense time to rest, you give them something to really rally around, you're not going to be able to come back. So Fort Valley has to play a complete game. That's what we've all been saying in SIC space. They have to continue to play a full game. 
and the offense has to not be one-dimensional. You can't just pass the ball. You have to do something else. Kelvin Durham can't be the only feature in the offense where he's the one distributing the ball. You got to run the ball. You got to run outside because Miles had a lot of success. I saw running outside away from the pressure. So I think that Fort Valley, if they could cook up some plays where they run outside and then they mix it up where you're not expecting to pass, but we run it. You're not expecting to run. We pass it. If they do that, I think that we could win, but it's not going to be an easy game. But here's the thing real quick. Are I got to say this? I got to say this. A lot of folks playing with us, Ariel. A lot of folks are playing on that Aggie, that A&T champion, Sean Gibbs name. They saying we not going to score a touchdown. Mind you, it was a couple of touchdowns that Miles Collins scored last week. I was watching it on direct, on direct TV, Ariel. So I'm like, if Miles College can score some touchdowns, why can't Fort Valley score touchdowns? So I'm like, listen, we're going to see what happens, but I think we're going to score some touchdowns, Ariel. So that, that's the next key. Don't let these folks play with us. It's the best team I've seen since 2015, and I saw a 2-18, okay? I saw a 2-18, Ariel. So I need for Fort Valley to go out there and win this game and just score touchdowns so I can go back. Even if we lose, I could be like, we lost. But I saw some touchdowns, though. We scored, some t- we scored four touchdowns. So what was you talking about? Anywhere in garbage time. So we just need to just score and just make sure we stay locked into that strategy. And I think we have a chance. Any Fort Valley people that are listening, Randall literally just gave you the game plan for the play. Go ahead and put Coach Randall in. Put Coach Randall specifically on the defense. That's what he loves the most. I, just, I mean, if they don't follow this, I don't I don't know what to tell them. Ariel, so the second headline is Alcorn actually beat Grambling, and they might be back in stride for the SWAC title in the SWAC West. They were dominant in the SWAC East. You're very familiar with the Braves because they played A&T, never won one game, okay? We know. We know they never won one game. We already know, but they might be back in stride and they might be ready to make it to the SWAC championship. Now, of course, me, as we know, I didn't expect for Alcorn to win this game. I think that Grambling, no matter what, is still going to be in the driver's seat. But I thought that Grambling was hitting a stride with Miles Crowley under center. But you always have to remember this. Ariel, you know this being an A&T alum, homecoming changes things. Homecoming gives the team a different energy. We saw it with North Carolina A&T and Campbell. That was a classic game that A&T came back and won. Anything can happen during homecoming, and it was Alcorn's homecoming. So Alcorn's players and the coaches, they wanted to get a win. But we got to talk about the fourth quarter. So with 2 minutes and 58 seconds left in the third quarter, Grambling added a 27-yard field goal to their score to extend the lead to 24-19. And it honestly seemed as if Grambling was going to get the win. But Alcorn, they led a game-winning drive that ended up with Alcorn quarterback Aaron Allen, who might be one of the better quarterbacks in the conference, throwing a 15-yard touchdown pass to Tavarius Griffin that put Alcorn up 25-24. to And like I said before, Ariel, the theme of Week 6 is, hey, we just scored, but you get the ball back and try to win the game. So Gremlin had an opportunity with the explosive offense to get the ball down the field and go and try to win 
the game. And they didn't do that because Miles Crawley threw an interception that left the Braves. They were excited. They were able to celebrate their homecoming with a win, and they're still in contention for the SWAC West title. I don't know what was going on. Miles Crawley has been almost infallible this year when it comes to his play. And we all make mistakes. He'll probably rebound from that for sure. But Gremlin could have won that game. They were in control of that game. It was a back and forth game, but they were in control of that game for the most part of that fourth quarter. And then they just let it go and Alcorn squeaked out with a win. So I think when we look at REO, you have Grambling, Prairie View, Alcorn, like we said before, they're really in the running. I think it's going to be really exciting as we get into the nitty gritty of SWAC West play. And Southern's there too, but we, we don't we don't expect Southern to make it. So, you know, we got to mention them, but we don't expect Southern to make it. But, you know, we'll see. But I think the SWAC West is really good this year. Let's get to our games of the week. So my game of the week is Alabama State versus Jackson State. I had to do it. I was thinking about Tennessee State because Tennessee State has been having a really good season. We might see about them next week. But I had to do this because y'all know why. Y'all know he ain't swack. I'm swack. The bro hug. The Obama bro hug. See, folks forgot that when it came to Eddie Robinson and Deion Sanders. Hey, I'm not about to give the Obama bro hug. You've been dissing me all week. So listen, I got to see what happens. That is the logical next step of the story of the who is swack story to see what's going on. Deion Sanders might be watching this game. You know, he's, he's not going to watch this game. But let's see. He's not going to watch ESPN Plus to watch this game. But still, like, this is a game to watch because I think this is a clash of two different styles. So Alabama State's defense is as advertised but we have to know if the offense will show up to play. So when you look at that defense, they're holding teams to 90.4 rushing yards per game, but the offense is only rushing 416 yards per game. They're holding teams to 18 points per game, but they're only scoring 16 points per game. That's not how you win games. They're holding teams to a very respectable, considering where we are in college football, they're holding teams to a very respectable 213 passing yards a game. But REO, they're only passing for 196 yards per game game themselves the defense needs help southern and alabama state help the defense out defense can win you games but offense puts the points on the board and if alabama state isn't scoring points they're going to lose the game but also can alabama state stop herb mulligan on the season he has 611 rushing yards 108 attempts five touchdowns versus alabama a m he had 115 yards on 23 attempts so of course we just said alabama state holds teams to 90.4 yards rushing if alabama state can stop the run can jackson state's offense truly get going that's the question we need to answer because jason brown i think is a good quarterback but after some of the games i've seen since the south carolina state game and since the fan game I don't trust that Jason Brown is going to do well against a stout defense like Alabama State. They're giving up a lot of pass offense, but they have a nice pass rush. They can stop the run, and they can force Jason Brown to have to do something, to have to air out the ball. I do not trust him. He played another great defense in Southern. He did well. He did okay. But the star of that Southern game was not Jason Brown. The star of that game was Jackson State's running backs, Irv Mulligan in that running back room. That running back room rushed for 221 yards on 37 attempts and three touchdowns versus Southern in the Boombox Classic earlier this season. And Jason Brown was 16 and 26, 184 yards, one touchdown. So the running backs, they had more attempts than he passed for. So I think Jackson State wins, but those questions have to be answered. I'm picking Jackson State. My game of the week is Tennessee Tech and South Carolina State. Only thing that comes good after this, after this game, they go into conference play. They play Delaware State first, and then we have that huge rematch against 
North Carolina Central. And then they go down the field, just keep going to conference play. I think after this game, South Carolina State is about to go up from here. And that's when the competition really, really starts. Now, Tennessee Tech... Honestly, anybody could be South Carolina State at this point. Tennessee Tech could literally play their worst game, and South Carolina State will find a way to ruin it or fumble the game away. I don't really have hope that this may be one of those games that they start building Buddy Pew and they start building in into his technique and start realizing the team that they are within them. I don't see this as a close game either. I do want to give them hope because it will be a great way to win this game and then go into your conference play. It's just wins after that. Um, maybe South Carolina to say maybe maybe this, that that might be my pick hopefully if things are looking on the up and up especially after this one because it, it, it's going to be an easy win against Delaware State that'll be a good going into conference play being one and oh it'll be nice if they could have this win and the win next week so South Carolina State hopefully wins over Tennessee Tech Aria where can we find you on social media you can find me on Instagram at underscore underscore Don Martin Dan Ari or put me in the hot seat on Twitter at askriri underscore underscore or follow me on my website at the like what you hear? Uh, yeah. Subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, head to HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to HBCU, HBCU Pulse, Pulse Radio. Radio.